Jesus stood among them and said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. I'm Kara Cardell. And I'm Fred Schellebarger. And you're listening to My Lord and My God, Encountering Christ in the Eucharist. Well, we have reached the scripture deep dives of the series. I yes, think we have. We've kind of tried to uh, do a lot more testimonies. You guys have heard ours and from Tim and you've heard Father Crotty. And those are all really beautiful and I think help us to, all of us, to really mm-hmm. understand like what love we should have for the Eucharist. Absolutely, because that's the question we're after in this is how has your encounter yes. with Christ and the Eucharist changed your life? We're going to have Father Andrew Auer from St. Louis on soon. Excited yeah. about that as well. Yeah, we are. But you were going somewhere and I interrupted you, Kara. No, that's fine. I, I think, but one of the goals of this is also like, okay, if the if the Eucharist should change our life, why? You know, mm-hmm. because so often I think our understanding of the Eucharist, and I'm guilty of this, is pretty simplified. Um, so we also want to teach and Amen. show like, hey, the Mass and the Eucharist, like it's from Scripture. We're not yeah. making this up. <laughs> and, and you love to teach. Uh, people don't see like behind the scenes of... Kara like planning this show out but a lot of times she will take parts of one conversation and put it into the another (laughs) and so like if I sound smart on our episodes it's really just Kara editing it (laughs) to make me sound smart now it's gonna sound like it's not legit (laughs) (laughs) that's true (laughs) I mean it's just to like help teach a little bit better and like be clearer but it's a good thing it's a good thing because I I, I'm like a squirrel I get distracted easy don't we all yeah I do too um, but yeah, so today we are really going to dive into some aspects in scripture that point to the Eucharist and they point to the Eucharist because they're from the Old Testament. We're going to kind of hang out in the Old Testament and uh, look at the manna. Manna. So if you are familiar, this is the bread from heaven and we're going to kind of get into a lot more of that. But I really want to start. There's a really common saying um, in, I don't think it's just the Catholic circles. I think just in general, like faith circles that God gives in the mode of the receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, God gives in the mode of the receiver. So like, what might that mean? I see this in my own life, like just in how he gives his conversation to me and how mm-hmm. we talk. Like for those who know me, especially those who know me pretty well, I'm a very direct person. Yeah. Um, I don't really have trouble just kind of saying how it is. I try, I try and be kind and like loving and I, it's always coming from a place of, of love and like care for a person. I don't know. I just kind of say what I think needs to be said. And I, part of me also is like, maybe the Lord wants it to be said. And Mm -hmm. I try and kind of discern that before I say something. But anyways, that's also how God is with me. Like Mm -hmm. in prayer, he can say like three words and it's just point blank, matter of fact to, to the truth of the matter. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Okay. And like in, in an instant, everything is just like changed and healed. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also kind of a sarcastic person. And so like, he sometimes will do that to me too, where I can like picture him with just like a side smirk and like what he says is a little bit sarcastic. But I, I see that in my own prayer where he does give to me in the mode that I think I'm most susceptible to accept, like Mm -hmm. what he's giving. Does he do, what do you think? Does he do that with you? I, I would say, I would say that's true as well. Uh, he definitely like according to your personality or something. Yeah, there's definitely ways that he like and patterns of speaking to me and revealing 
himself and his will to me, you know, over the course of my life, especially, I think I see that most of all when I'm stubborn Yeah. and like the way he'll remind me, like, I tried to tell you, you didn't listen or like, Mm -hmm. like my, my not wanting to come into the Catholic church because I thought I was called to be a Protestant pastor. And Mm -hmm. at the time I was married and I had kids and I said, Lord, if you want me to be Catholic, you've also called me to be a pastor. You're going to have to fix that. The very next morning, the first thing I saw and the news was <laughs> Anglican yeah, married right. Anglican priest becomes Catholic. I remember it, you, you know, me about and in that. a way, it was just kind of like, okay, Lord, you're, ah. you're poking fun at me. <laughs> yeah, you know. But I even had just recently, uh, just a few days ago, we were just talking about this before we started recording. You know, there's some needs we have for our ministry, and you know, I, I found myself kind of fussing and murmuring against the Lord about it, like Lord you've let us out of the water. It shouldn't be a struggle to have basic needs met. Right. And I, I found myself grumbling about that and just like, it shouldn't be this hard. And then like a minute later, uh, I got a, a text that is going to pay for that need that we had because of what it is. And so it was kind of like the Lord saying, just quit complaining, quit complaining. I'm gonna like it. I'm going to do it, but stop trying to do it yourself. Yeah. You have to rely on me and trust me. Yeah. Yeah, so he he definitely gives in the yes. mode that we are able to receive, but I think mm-hmm. he even does this on a larger scale um, because we've talked about this. We talked about it in the Is Mass Boring episode, but how just as human beings, like the way that we learn and the way that we, we receive things are just, I mean, they're through our senses. Like mm-hmm. we are physical beings and we receive things. That's how we we read the word of God with our eyes. You know, we experience things with our, our feelings and our emotions and we taste the body of Christ with our tongue, you know, all of these senses. But that's like if God loves us so deeply to to speak to us the way that we are able to accept him, wouldn't he do that on an even greater scale, like to just know him, not just right. speak to him, but to know mm-hmm. more about him? Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So naturally, an invisible God, like how is he going to help us who need the visible, who need the physical to know him more and to know about his love and to know about his mysteries. And he does this through physical things Mm -hmm. in the church. And he does this through the sacraments. Mm -hmm. He does this through visible signs. Like that, I mean, that's the definition of a sacrament, right? A visible sign of an invisible reality. Mm -hmm. So we get to see and feel like we get to feel the oil. We get to see the things that are happening at the mass and like all of those sensory things but the invisible reality is something so much greater and there's so much that we get to know about the mystery of god because of those things Mm -hmm. i really liked that this part of like when i did my studies um i liked learning about this it was just like so fascinating to me i think it was i think it's mystagogy Mm -hmm. um where like you you go and walk back through like the what these signs are Mm -hmm. i'm getting really nerdy here you can just cut me off at any point right if you want to add stuff okay um but like you walk back like water of baptism or the bread of the eucharist Mm -hmm. and you you start learning like what was water in the old testament like what's all this meaning that it picked up in the old testament and what does it now mean for us in baptism Mm -hmm. and i just got so nerdy and so excited i'm like oh my gosh because in learning all of those things, then you see the beauty of baptism. You see the right. the beauty of the mystery of God that like is happening in the sacraments. You know right, what I mean? Right. And the topic that we're going to talk sh- talking about today has I don't know you you tied it to baptism. It actually, has a lot to do with yeah. what we're going to talk about and going back and, and looking at Exodus and yeah, what does that have to do with the Eucharist? Well, yeah, that's kind of why I brought it up because like manna 
is a sign. It's, I mean, bread itself as something that we use today in the church, like we're going back to the Old Testament. It picked up meaning throughout salvation history. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we don't really like read scripture with an eye for that. You know, if you are to listen at mass for whenever they read John 6, if you if you don't if you're not aware of this, like whatever the gospel is is always going to relate to the first reading. Like listen to the first reading. Guarantee it's also about bread because right. they relate to each other. Like we're supposed to pull something and and understand something in the New Test or the Old Testament because of what we now know through mm-hmm. Christ in the in yeah. the New Testament. Absolutely. It's St. Augustine. The old is revealed in yeah. the new and Saint Paul. the new is concealed <laughs> in the old. Yeah. And St. Paul, of yeah. course. Um, so yeah, absolutely. You've used the word manna. Manna. What in the world is manna? Well, I mean, manna, it like is actually the, the bread from heaven, but the meaning of manna, uh, it just means what is it? What is it? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> um, which comes from Exodus 16, because literally, that's literally like when... Well, we can explain Exodus 16, I guess. Yeah, let's do but, that. But what it is, is like when the bread comes, it comes in the form of almost like this like dust looking, like yeah. they call it hoarfrost. It looks like right. hoarfrost. Yep. Um, and they ask the question, what is it? What is it? So then yeah. they apparently call it, what is it? Manna. Yeah. That's yeah. what it means. Yep. Um, but yeah, so what what happens in Exodus 16? Do you want to give that background? So you touched on this earlier, but you know, as, as Israel was leaving Egypt, Moses, you know, the plagues have come. Yeah. And Pharaoh has finally decided after the death of the firstborn, he'll let them go. And They've been enslaved for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years, 400 like, okay, plus years. And he finally lets them go. Miracle. And they and they come to the Red Sea. And of course, they start murmuring, mm-hmm. the Lord brought us here to die. Actually, Moses, you brought us here to die. Yeah. Uh, which is ultimately murmuring against the Lord, kind of like what I was doing earlier. He says that. I mean, yeah. Moses calls them out and says and that. They cross the Red Sea. The Lord parts the Red Sea, yeah. and they're able to cross over. Now, that is, you touched on baptism earlier. Yeah. That is analogous to our own baptism of yeah. being in baptism. We are freed from the slavery of sin and death and brought into the new life, mm-hmm. the promised land that we're promised that we look forward to. So there's kind of a really yeah. cool analogy that right. I'll come back to here in a second. But in you know six weeks after... Uh, they've left Egypt. They begin once again to murmur. And I think what what's mind-boggling about that is they've seen the Lord make it clear who was God yes. in the 10 plagues. Yes. When they were backed up against the Red Sea, they saw the Lord deliver them. Mm-hmm. And yet, when things got tough, six weeks out into the wilderness, start murmuring again. Mm-hmm. We were be- better to... Uh, die, die in Egypt in, in, as slaves. As slaves, yeah. then. Yeah, this that's way. ridiculous to me. This is what they say. It says, uh, "Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, so where they were slaves, when we sat by the flesh pot and ate bread to the full. But you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger." So they're complaining against Moses. They're like, "We would have rather died by our God in Egypt, but at least our bellies would be full." Right. And now they're complaining to Moses, like, "But now we're gonna die of hunger because you made us leave our slavery." Like, right. yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. just ridiculous to me. Yeah. Like, I'd rather have a big full belly than right. be free. But I think that's that's our life too. Like, so often the Lord delivers us yeah. from our slavery to sin and death, and yet. We keep going back to those things. That's good because his deliverance from our sin and like what he calls us out of often is not going to be like 
cushier or as cushy right. as the sin. Yeah. But it definitely is going to lead to a fuller life. Yeah. And freedom. Right. No, that's really good. Yeah. And I think what you see here is the Lord, he's responding to what they need. Mm-hmm. Like like you started the, this episode with, he gives them what they need. He provides every morning they wake up mm-hmm. and uh, like frost, mm-hmm. bread appears on everything. It, you know, scripture says it, it falls from yeah. heaven. Yeah. It's the heavenly bread uh, that is there for them to eat every morning. It's fresh and everybody takes up a set mm-hmm. amount and despite it not really seeming like it's very much it's enough for every person to eat mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. but they can't hoard it right they can't keep it over to the next day they can't take more than they're supposed to yep. it will be enough for them to last the entire day and on the sixth day in preparation of the sabbath day mm-hmm. they were to take extra yeah and that kept good yeah until for the, the next day. day but yeah. they had to couldn't take more they had to follow the lord's instructions pretty clearly or because if they were selfish it would rot it would yeah worms would well and people tried to take more so it shows our selfishness yeah and and the lord seemed like he corrected Mm -hmm. that like he was upset about why won't they just listen to the simple command i probably make the lord say that pretty often i imagine but well and there's uh, a reason that he's doing this like the way that he interacts with us he gives in the mode of the receiver right Mm -hmm. but like he knows what they needed even though they didn't know what they needed because in their minds they're like we need bread but in his mind he knew god knew like no what you need is to rely on me Mm -hmm. because you have been in egypt with pagan idolatry for hundreds of years and they they i mean we see that with the golden calf they were ingrained like it was ingrained in them they had Mm -hmm. begun they had begun worshiping false gods and falling into idolatry And so what God is doing in this and like not letting them hoard it. And, you know, he doesn't he doesn't go like, I've clearly done all these miracles. How dare you murmur against me? He's like, no, I will give you bread from heaven. He's like responding to their complaining and their whining. Um, But the purpose of like his plan in this is not just here's some food so you don't die. Mm -hmm. It's I'm going to give you what you need every single day for 40 years to help untrain your mind and your heart. Mm-hmm. From going to these false gods, like I want you to rely on me, right? Right. So there's yeah. like there's a method to his plan. Yeah, there's an interesting thing with this that sometimes we forget when we talk about the bread that came down from heaven, the bread of life, manna. Yeah, is that it was also it wasn't just bread, but it was also flesh. Flesh. It was also meat. So it's flesh in the evening, bread in yeah, the morning. Yeah, because mm-hmm. God would send the quail mm-hmm. uh, in the evening for them to consume. So. The bread literally just appeared, but the quail, I'm assuming there were enough quail in the region, (laughs) you know, he sent them for them to consume. So it's just an interesting parallel pointing to Christ, obviously, of bread and flesh Yeah. in the manna that they, in the Lord provided it every day. Kara, I see, I'm reminded of the, the words of scripture, how we should not live by bread alone. Yeah. But I'm also I'm also reminded of Pope Francis' words to encounter Christ every day. Who's the bread of life? Who's the bread that came down from heaven? Mm-hmm. I might be getting ahead. This is a little yeah, bit yeah. of a spoiler, but it's Jesus Christ, right. and and so I also also see in that the need for them to every day collect what they need, right, and to keep the Sabbath rest. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded of Pope Francis' words: encounter Christ every day mm-hmm. or be willing to let him encounter us. Right. It's an everyday thing. You can't you can't go today relying on yesterday's manna. Yeah. Every day we have the opportunity to encounter him. 
in Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. It's not getting ahead of yourself. I mean, we've been pretty obvious, like we've been pretty clear. Right. We're going to talk about John 6 at some point, probably right. multiple episodes. Yes, we are. So hopefully this actually sounds familiar. And if it doesn't, John 6 is known as the bread of life discourse. And it says, Jesus was literally saying, I am the bread from heaven. And the quote from Exodus 16 it, from God himself, I will rain bread from heaven for you. So, I mean, Jesus is is essentially in John 6. And when we get to it, we can dive deeper into that in that episode. But Jesus is saying like, hey, you remember how God provided for you in the desert? Remember the manna he rained down from heaven? Mm -hmm. Like I am the ultimate provision. I am the bread from heaven. I'm mm -hmm. what the Lord is is giving to you. Right. So there are very clear connections throughout the Old Testament of manna and in Christ and in the breaking of the bread and continued on by the apostles. Yeah. Um, we just don't always listen for that. We don't always have right. the ear for that. And I think it's so important to have the ear for that. It, it's even fascinating the, the parallel you see, because first of all, the manna that God provided and the flesh by the quail, I mean, that's miraculous. That's miraculous yes. provision. But you even see the parallel with John 6, which I know we'll talk more in a future episode. When does the bread of life discourse happen in John chapter 6? right after Jesus feeds 5,000 5, yeah. miraculously. How does he do that? With five loaves of bread yeah. and two and fish. fish. Again, you see that mm -hmm. bread and flesh parallel. Yes. But once again, you see God himself providing for all of the people in a miraculous way. Yeah. And in both cases, it's not, you know, originally it's not Moses providing for the people, right. which is how they respond to Jesus. Ironically, they appeal to their ancestors in how the Lord provides, and yet they fail to recognize mm -hmm. the source of that provision right there in front of them. And yeah. in both cases, it's the Lord that provided. Yeah. But it's the same. They they associate it with Moses, but then they also murmur against Moses. Right. So he gets the good, the credit, and, and the negativity. Right. But yeah. Moses is very clear in Exodus 16. Like, we're not going to mm -hmm. be able to talk about everything. So if you're curious more, read Exodus 16. Mm -hmm. um, but he's very clear, like, you are not complaining about me. You are murmuring against God himself. Um, and there are, there are consequences to that. And that comes later. Um, but there are consequences to that. And I think what I see in, um, in murmuring against God, but also in like not being allowed to hoard the manna mm -hmm. and having to rely on God. Like I see that so much in relation to today and in relation to how we are in the church. Like, don't we still murmur? You know, I did not like the priest's homily today mm -hmm. or um, I didn't get to I didn't get to hear anything at mass because this baby was so loud. You know, aren't we all just kind of like murmuring against? I things? really despise those people that receive on their knees. That's yeah. not true. But I hear people murmur about that. But whatever it might be like that, it just a negative thought that comes into your mind um, at mass or just in general about the church or thinking like I could do. I could do religious ed way better than the DRE or like my plan for my life is better than God's plan. Like whatever is that negative thought in your mind, we all do it. Right. It's just a matter of like, okay, are we consenting and then continuing it and then complaining to other people about it and mm -hmm. passing on the negativity and so on. But here's the thing, like you're not murmuring against the priest's homily. You're not behind this parent's back murmuring about their baby. Like you're murmuring against God. Right. Aren't we are at church? Mm -hmm. Like that's what's really happening. And I like this passage in Exodus 16 that Moses calls out. He calls out the people. Right. He's like, "Hey, I can take it, but you're not doing it against me. You're doing it against God." Right. Yeah. 
And so yeah. I think that like that's a good lesson for all of us to not do that. We like the the good parallel. We like if they don't receive you, they don't receive me. Mm-hmm. We like the if you've done this for the least of these, you've done it also for me. Right. We like those positive comparisons, <laughs> but we tend to disregard the negative. Mm-hmm. Like if I treat my neighbor like garbage, I'm also treating Christ like garbage. Right. Like if it's true in the positive, we've done good for our neighbor, therefore we've done good for Christ. Right. It's also true in the negative. Right. Whatsoever a, a man sows, that shall he also reap. That's scripture, mm-hmm. Galatians 6, you know. Um, and that goes into exactly what you're saying as well. Yeah. I think there's a theme in that. And there's a theme actually throughout their entire journey. Like, yeah, they got to see so much of God's provisions. They got to see the way that he freed them. They got to see the miracles, all of these things. And like the second something goes wrong, the second something goes wrong and they're hungry, they start complaining against God. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a theme for them. Um, they continue complaining to God. I mean, the the trip alone to the promised land should have taken a week, a couple weeks. Yeah, like 11 days, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. And because of the murmuring, because of their lack of and they're trust, already six weeks out right? when manna happens. When the manna happens. It's like, <laughs> you should be there by now. But um, when they get to the promised land, even like they, they don't trust that they're going to be able to take the land from the Canaanites either. Mm-hmm. So then they come back out for fear. Right. And then they wander the desert for 40 years. Mm-hmm. So this is a theme for them. And while they're in the desert, at some point, like in Exodus 16, it talks about the manna tasting like wafers and honey, which is actually another scriptural thing because the promised land was supposed to be like milk and honey. honey. Yeah, it's a taste of heaven. It's supposed to be a yeah. taste of heaven. Yeah. This manna is. And so initially, there it's it's sustenance. They're enjoying it. But later... In Numbers 11, they start complaining again. They're like, we're sick of this bread. We're sick of the quail. Mm -hmm. And they want something that tastes different. And the response might seem extreme to some, but the response is like, okay, here you go. And there's just this like outpouring or downpouring of like more flesh, more fish. So much so that they they eat themselves to death. Mm -hmm. The Israelites, because of their murmuring against God and against his provisions and the bread, they eat themselves to death because they wanted something different. And this is related to John 6 too. Like I'm kind of jumping ahead, but you know what? It fits here. Right. He literally says, if you do not eat my flesh, you will not have life within you. You will surely die. Mm -hmm. Again, he's jumping back to what happens in the desert. They're like the consequence of murmuring against God is pretty severe. Right. Like we're, if we murmur against the bread, if we don't go to mass, if we're not receiving the living bread, we don't have life within us. Like the mm. consequence is death right. in, in a spiritual way, but the consequence is death. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense, Kara. I mean, yeah. it, it's what you're talking about here also illustrates a point we see in Jesus' public ministry and the way he was challenged, the way people murmured against him. And even perhaps we see that kind of under the surface in John chapter six. So this, the bread of life discourse, which is tied intimately with manna that we read about in Exodus 16, it's tied to um, him feeding the 5,000 mm-hmm. like we talked about. And it's easy to assume that perhaps like people saw this great thing Jesus did mm-hmm. and like their view of Messiah was this great king yeah. who would rule politically. Uh, maybe people saw like, what good can he do for us? Because mm-hmm. you notice like they start asking for more signs. They do. Like, I, 
why do I have to give you more signs? Yeah. I just fed 5,000 people with yes. five loaves of bread. Oh, and it's and so funny. Fish. If you read John 6, like there are definitely the, the disciples who follow because they believe in Christ. But if you, I'm getting so off track, but if you read in, in Acts, only 120 people after Jesus had ascended were there right. and were faithful. Right. Not 5,000 people, not including women and children. Right. 120. So he had true disciples who followed him for him. Then he had people who followed him because he would do wonderful miracles and the signs. Right. But in John 6, he's like, you guys aren't even following. It says this. You guys right. aren't even following me for the signs. You're following me because you had full bellies. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like having seen the bread multiplied, they could think only of having more. Yes. The, I'm, I need to get my second day in there. Yeah. You know, they could only think of having more and satisfying their own selfish right. physical hunger. Right. I mean, to be hungry is a normal human thing. Mm-hmm. He literally just fed them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they're already thinking about how can we get more? What else can you do for us? And that's the point here with Exodus 16. That's the point of the manna in the desert is like we're not trying to turn this negative like, oh, the Israelites were just awful. Uh, no, because we're the same we're way. We're the exact same way. Exactly. Hmm. But we also don't want to leave it leave this episode with like a pessimistic view of our approach to the Eucharist and Mass. Like the point of... The manna, the point of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist is this reliance and trust and faith in him. Mm. Like it is stopping the murmuring, stopping our own reliance on ourselves like they wanted in the desert and every single day going out and collecting the bread every single day like relying and trusting that God is going to provide for you. So it's not, you know, it's not the negative of the church. It's God does provide for us in a very real way. He provides spiritual life for us. Yeah. And all we have to do is go to the altar. Yeah. Again, you see that echoes of we we don't live by this bread, by physical bread alone, but Mm -hmm. by everything that comes forth from the mouth of God, as scripture reminds us. I love this quote from St. Ephraim the Syrian, who's a church father, goes along with what you were saying, kind of ties it right back to the beginning about what you were talking about with how God speaks to us in the way that we can receive it. Yeah. And how as human beings, we need what's like what scripture says, what we've seen, what we've touched, what we've heard. Yes. We need that. He says, our Lord made bread in plenty from just a little bread in the desert and changed water into wine at Cana. He first sought to accustom their mouths to his bread and his wine until the time would come for him to give them his blood as well as his body. And you see like with Nicodemus, he spoke about natural birth, but also birth of the spirit. With the woman at the well, mm-hmm. he spoke about drinking from a, a well yeah. that she would never thirst. And what's what's the reaction? Sir, give me a drink and I shall not thirst again. He's right in front of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nicodemus. He's right oh, there. Oh, that's that's what he's talking about. Yeah. And I think people murmur when Jesus gives that bread of life discourse there. How can this be? They're not getting the significance of what is happening right in front of them. They're thinking more of their own materialistic, kind of our own inclinations uh, toward the physical things above the spiritual. But I I think he is like he is reminding them uh, that's not enough. I mean, how does one one of his temptations against the devil? Mm -hmm. That's the very scripture he quotes. Yes. You shall not live by bread alone. We pray in the Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. Mm-hmm. We're not just talking about physical bread and mm-hmm. physical needs. We're also talking about 
supernatural, what we need to sustain us. And we go back to that imagery from Exodus, the waters of baptism, that's our crossing the Red Sea. Mm -hmm. We've been brought into this new life we have in Christ by grace. How do we, how do we sustain, how are we sustained in this life? How are we nourished? by the heavenly bread of Christ in the Eucharist. That's the nourishment we need to live this new life. And how do we respond when we receive it? You said we're meant to be nourished right. by it. And then when we go receive it, what's our response? Is it murmuring? Right, yeah. Or is, yeah. It, is, is it, it love and acceptance and you know actually taking that he's the bread of life and he sustains yeah. us? When we go up to receive Christ in the Eucharist, that host is held up. Mm -hmm. And what is the, whoever is giving us communion, what do they say? Right the body of Christ. What are we supposed to say? Amen. Amen. That so means something. It. So be it. It means you believe it. Like it's right. not just, amen, thanks for my half snack yes. yeah. between mass. It's like, this is the body of Christ. I believe it. That should mean something. Amen. I receive it and it does something in me. It is my nourishment to live this new life. How has your encounter with the Eucharist changed your life? Because it should. Amen. <laughs>